Section 2 of The White Heart of Mojave by Edna Brush Perkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. A good road led through the Cajon Pass to Victorville, and thence over sand dotted with groves of Joshua palms to Barstow. A Joshua palm is a grotesque tree yucca, which appears wherever the mesas of the Mojave rise to an elevation of a few thousand feet. It becomes twenty feet high in some places, and its ungainly arms stick up into the sky. It has long, dark green pointed leaves, ending in sharp thorns like the yucca. It attains to a great age, and the dead branches, split off from the trunk or lying on the ground, look as though they were covered with matted gray hair. Charlotte and I never liked them much, they seemed like monsters masquerading as trees, but in that first encounter, when we drove through them mile after mile in a desolation broken only by the narrow ribbon of the gravel road, they were distinctly unpleasant, and we were glad when we left them behind at Barstow. There seemed to be a choice of routes from that town, so we had an ice cream soda and interviewed the druggist, having discovered that druggists are among the most helpful of citizens he proved to be an enthusiast about the desert the first we had met and we warmed to him he brought out an album full of kodak pictures of the devil's playground where the sand dunes roll along before the wind he grew almost poetic about them but when we spread out the map and showed him the proposed route to death valley he grew grave he said the road was so seldom traveled that in places it was obliterated. We would surely get lost. Silver Lake, the next town on it, was eighty-seven miles away. There was one ranch on the road, but he was not sure anyone was living there. He was not even sure we could get accommodations at Silver Lake. Yes, it was a wonderful country. You went over five mountain ridges. He forgot himself and began to describe it glowingly, when a tall man who was looking at the magazines interposed with, Surely you would not send the ladies that way. The two words, get lost, were what deterred us. We felt we could cope with most calamities, but already, coming through the Joshua Palms, we had sensed the size and emptiness of Mojave at least until we were a little better acquainted with the strange land where even the plants seemed weird we needed the reassurance of a very definite ribbon of road ahead we decided to go on to randsburg then to ballarat and try to get into death valley from there the druggist doubted if we could get into the valley at all we began to suspect that it might be difficult Ransburg, Atolia, and Johannesburg are mining towns, close together about forty miles north of Barstow. The road there was no such highway as we had been traveling upon. Often it was only two ruts among the sagebrush, but it was well enough marked to follow easily. Great sloping mesas spread for miles on either side of the track, rising to rocky crowns. All the big, open, gradually ascending sweeps are called mesas on the Mojave, though they are in no sense tablelands like the true mesas of New Mexico and Arizona. 
the groves of joshua palms had disappeared we were lower down now where only greasewood and sagebrush grew the unscientific like us who accept the word mesa lump together all the varieties of low prickly brush as sagebrush the little bushes grew several feet apart on the white gravelly ground each little bush by itself they smoothed out in the distance like a carpet woven of all shades of blue and green the occasional greasewood a graceful shrub covered with small dark green leaves waved in the wind unobstructed by trees the mesa seemed endless we stopped the car to feel the silence that enveloped it the place was vast and empty as the stretches we had seen from the railroad and now we found how still they had all been the strong fresh wind pressed steadily against us like a wind at sea atolia was the first town golden in the setting sun on the shoulder of a stern red mountain before it a wide valley fell away in whose bottom gleamed the white floor of a dry lake all the mountain tops were on fire the three towns were very close together separated by the shoulder of the red mountain Ransburg was the largest whose one street was a steep hill it had a score of buildings and two or three stores johannesburg just over the crest had six buildings among them an adobe hotel and a large garage all three towns ornamented the map with big black letters we thought we were approaching cities and found instead little wooden houses set on the sand with the great simplicity of the desert at their doors according to the map death valley was now not more than sixty miles away we thoroughly startled the inhabitants of johannesburg familiarly known as joburg by the announcement that we were going there we did not yet know how startling an announcement it was but these real dwellers on the desert intimately acquainted with her difficulties met our ignorance in a more helpful spirit than any of our other advisers had even the agreeable druggist hardly any one ever goes to places like joburg just for the pleasure of going and they seemed pleased that we had come they described the panamint mountains which shut off the valley from that side with a barrier nearly twelve thousand feet high there are only two passes the wingate pass through which the borax used to be hauled and which is now blocked with fallen rocks and a pass up by ballarat they had not heard of any cars going in for some time unhappily ballarat had been abandoned for several years and we could not stay there unless we could find the indians and no one knew where they were none of the joburgians whom we first interviewed had ever been to death valley it was discouraging but we persevered until we found a real old-timer he was known as shady myrick we never discovered his christian name though he was a famous desert character wherever we went afterward everyone knew shady evidently the name was not descriptive for all agreed on his honesty and goodness he was an old man rather deaf with clear very straightforward gazing eyes most of his life had been spent on the mojave as a prospector and miner 
and much of it in death valley itself the desert held him for her own as she does all old-timers he was under the terrible fascination as soon as we explained that we had come for no other purpose than to visit his beloved land he was eagerly interested and described the wonders of death valley its beautiful high mountains its shining white floor its hot brightness its stillness and the flowers that sometimes deck it in the spring if you go there he said you will see something that you'll never see anywhere else in the world he had gem mines in the panamints and was in the habit of going off with his mule team for months at a time he even said that he would take us to the valley himself were he a younger man we assured him that we would go with him gladly we urged him you had only to look into his eyes to trust him promising to do all the work if he would furnish the wagon and be the guide innocently unaware of the absurdity of such a proposal in the burning heat of death valley but he only smiled gently and said that he was too old silver lake turned out to be the place for us to go after all he described how we could drive straight on from joburg a hundred and sixteen miles there was a sort of a road all the way he drew a map on the sand and said that we could not possibly miss it for a truck had come over six weeks before and we could follow its tracks it ain't blowed much or rain since he remarked but suppose we should get lost what would we do why should you get lost anyway you could turn around and come back we looked at each other doubtfully in the far-spreading silence around joburg the idea of getting lost was more dreadful than it had been at barstow there was not even a ranch in the whole hundred and sixteen miles we hesitated you are well and strong ain't you he asked you can take care of yourselves as well as anybody why can't you go you have lived in this country so long mr myrick i tried to explain you do not understand how strange it is to a newcomer how would we recognize those mountains you speak of when we do not even know how the desert mountains look how could we find the spring where you said we might camp when we have never seen one like it you can do it he insisted that's how you learn and there is the silence mr myrick i went on hating to have him scorn us for cowards and the big emptiness he understood that and his face grew kind you get used to it he said gently it was refreshing to meet a man who looked into your feminine eyes and said you can do it it made us feel that we had to do it we spent a whole day on a hilltop near joburg looking longingly over the sinister beautiful mountains and trying to get up our courage happily we were spared the decision two young miners at atolia sent word that they were going over to silver lake in a few days and would be glad to have us follow them perhaps it was shady's doing we accepted the invitation with gratitude we loafed around joburg during the intervening days the stern red mountains were full of mine holes but most of the mines were not being worked and the three towns were dead everywhere on the mojave desert mining activity had fallen off markedly after the beginning of the war 
the population of the three towns had dwindled away and the few people who remained did so because they still had faith in the red mountain and hoped that the place might boom again the big hotel at joburg which was attractively built around a court and which could accommodate twenty to thirty guests was empty save for us we looked at and admired innumerable specimens of ore they were everywhere in the hotel office in the general store in the windows of the houses everyone had some shining bit of the earth which he treasured we bought some of shady myrick's cut stones and received presents of gold ore and fine pieces of bloodstone and jasper in the rough we enlisted the services of the garage to get our car in the best possible condition for the journey across the uncharted desert the general opinion held that it was too heavy for such traveling the next time we should bring a ford when the two young men appeared early on the appointed morning with a light ford truck dismantled of everything except the essential machinery they also looked over our big red car questioningly they feared we would get stuck in the sand and jammed on rocks but generously admitted themselves in the wrong when later in the day they stuck and we did not of course they had the advantage for we would probably have remained where we stopped while the four of us were able to lift and push the little truck out of its troubles it was the most disreputable-looking car we had ever encountered even among fords a moving junk-pile loaded with miscellaneous shabby baggage tools and half-worn-out extra tires our new friends matched it in appearance they looked as tough as the wild west storytellers would have us believe that most miners are we have found out that most miners are not though we hate to shatter that dear myth of the movies if you were to meet on any civilized road the outfit which we followed that day from seven o'clock in the morning until dark you would instantly take to the ditch and give it the right of way the drive was wild and fearful and wonderful the bandits led us over and around mountains down washes and across the beds of dry lakes often there was no sign of a road at least no sign that was apparent to us on the desert you must travel one of two ways either along the watercourses or across them it is strange to find a country dying of thirst cut into a rough chaos by water channels rain on the mojave is a cloudburst the water rushes down from the rocky heights across the long sloping mesas digging innumerable trenches until it reaches a main stream bed leading to the lowest point in the valley when you go in the same direction as the water you usually follow up or down the dry stream beds or washes but when you cross the watershed you must crawl as best you can over the parallel trenches which are sometimes small and close together like chuck holes in a bad country road and sometimes wide and deep one of the uses of a shovel which we found out on that day is to cut down the banks of washes that are too high and steep for a car to cross most of the mountains of the mojave are separate masses rather than continuous ranges between them the mesas curve 
sometimes falling into deep valleys. Instead of foothills, long, gradual slopes always lead up to the rock battlements, the result of the wearing down of countless ages, the wide foundations that give the ancient mountains an appearance of great repose. They are solid and everlasting. The valleys are like great bowls, curving up gently to sudden perpendicular sides. The mesas always look smooth, beautiful sweeps that completely satisfy the eye. It rests itself upon them. When the valleys are deep, they usually contain a dry lake, baked mud of a white, yellow, or brownish-purple color. Crossing dry lakes is a curious experience. They never look very wide, but are often several miles across. You need a whole new adjustment of ideas of distance on the desert, for the air is so clear that distant objects look stark and near. What you judge to be half a mile usually turns out to be five, and four miles is certainly eighteen. We were always deceived about distances, until we trained ourselves a little by picking out some point ahead, guessing how far it was, and measuring it with the cyclometer. Dry lakes are not only deceitful about their size, but also about their nature. Along the edges is a strange glistening effect, as the water were standing under the shore. Often the rocks and bushes are reflected in it upside down, and if the lake is large enough, the illusion of water is perfect. You drive across with a queer effect of standing still, for there is not so much as a stone to mark your progress. It is like being in a boat on an actual lake. The sunlight is very dazzling on the white and yellow expanses, and the heat shimmer makes the ground seem to heave. Sometimes you have the illusion of going steeply uphill. Nothing grows in the lake beds, but the mesas are covered with the usual desert growths, sagebrush, greasewood, and many varieties of cacti. A view from one of the ridges is a look into a magical country. Only enchantment could produce the pale, lovely colors that lie along the mountains and the endless variety of blues and pinks and sage-greens that flow over the wide, sagebrush-covered mesas. The dry lake far down in the bottom of the valley shines, the illusion of water at its further edges is a glistening brightness. It is hard to tell where the baked mud ends and the sand begins. It is hard to tell what are the real colors and shapes of things. If you linger a while, they change. The valley never loses its immense repose, but it changes its colors as though they were garments, and it changes the relations of things to each other. That violet crag looks very big and important while you are toiling up the mesa, but just as you are crossing the ridge and look back for the last time, you see that the wine-red hill beside it is really much larger. For a short distance we followed the old trail over which the borax used to be hauled from Death Valley. The familiar name Twenty Mule Team Borax was touched with romance. Out of the bottom of that baffling, inaccessible valley, through a pass by the high Panamint Mountains, where it is sixty miles between the water holes, 
and over this weird country unlike any country we had dreamed existed in the world this prosaic commodity was hauled by strings of laboring mules they tugged through the sand day after day and their drivers made campfires under the stars we can never see that name now on a package of kitchen borax humbly standing on the shelf without going again in imagination over those two old lonely ruts we lunched at a spring under a cottonwood tree two springs is its name the only water on the route someone once tried to graze cattle there and the water came through a wooden trough into a cement basin during lunch the bandits entertained us with tales of the desert it has its own ethics you are justified in killing a man who robs your camp or steals your burrows out there at two springs we realized that it was right if you lose your food or your pack animal you may well lose your life many a prospector has never returned the elder of the bandits remarked thoughtfully that he was glad he had never had to kill a man he knew a fellow who had and who was hounded to death by the memory he was justified by desert ethics but he had no peace in his sleep toward sunset we went down an endless slope among mountains some of which were red some yellow some a sulphurous green and some black a black mountain is a sinister object there is a kind of fear which does not concern itself with real things that might happen but is a primitive fear of nature herself even the bandits admitted feeling it sometimes it is a fear of something impending in the bare spaces as though the mountains threatened a little creeping chill that had nothing to do with the cool of the evening kept us close behind the ford at the bottom of the rough slope lay a somber basin full of shadow beyond which rose an abrupt high ridge of sand in spite of us the ford gained there and we saw it far ahead crawling up the ridge like a black bug it seemed to stop and jerk and stop and jerk again then it disappeared over the top for a few fearful moments we were alone with mojave how could rocks and sand and silence make us afraid and yet be so wonderful for they were wonderful the ridge was orange against a luminous orange sky the sand in the shadowy basin reached right and left mysteriously shining to mountains with rosy tops the darkness around us was indigo the two crooked ruts of the ford were full of blue apprehensively jerking and stopping stopping and jerking as the ford had done the engine clanking as though it would smash itself to pieces the radiator boiling frantically we bucked our way to the summit of the ridge it looked down on an immense dry lake in a valley so big that the mountains beyond were dim in the twilight at the far side of the lake stood a group of eight or ten portable houses bright orange against the purple darkness of the baked mud lake it was the town which we had made that incredible journey to reach 
Below us we could see the little truck struggling through the sand. Presently it reached the hard edge of the lake and merged with its dark smoothness. We followed down the ridge in its ruts and drove for three miles straight across the hard lake bed toward the town, where now a few lights gleamed. The orange faded from the houses and the whole valley became a rich plum color. It was dark when we came out onto the sand again and drove into the lonely hamlet. A kindly German couple received us. They were as amazed to see two women arrive in a big car as we were at arriving. Once two men had come in a Cadillac just to see the desert, but they could remember no other visitors with such an unusual object. Mrs. Brower doubted if we would find much to look at in Silver Lake. We assured her that we found much already, and hoped to find much more. "'And where did you think you was going?' her husband asked, chuckling vastly in the background. "'To Death Valley!' "'Mein Gott!' They conducted us to a one-room shack beside the tin can dump, and bade us be at home. Strangely enough, we felt at home. The door of the shack faced the open desert, the threshold only three inches above the sand. It stretched away, white and still, radiating pale light. The craving which had made us seek a wild and lonely place responded to it. The night was a deep blue, warm and luminous. A hard young moon, sharp as a curved knife blade, hung over the hills. We went out into the vague brightness among the ghostly bushes, and at last on to the darkness of the lake bed. Beyond it the sand gleamed on the ridge we had come over. On either side the mountains we had feared were strong, beautiful silhouettes. In the northwest stood the mass of the Abawats, a pure and noble skyline glowing with pale rose. The Abawats had been the most fearful mountain of all in the sultry afternoon, a red conglomeration of volcanic hills. We walked on and on, full of a strange, terrible happiness. The trackless, unbroken expanse of the lake seemed boundless. The mountains were never any nearer. We kept looking back for the reassuring gleam of the lamp we had set in the window. Presently it was lost. Nothing indicated the whereabouts of the town. We left no footprint trail on the hard mud. Every link with mankind was gone. Before starting, we had located the little houses in relation to a certain peak, and we felt like navigators in an uncharted sea. We must learn to steer by the stars, Charlotte said. We must always remember that. We stood still, listening to the silence. It was immense and all-enveloping. No murmur of leaves, nor drip of water, nor buzz of insects broke it. It brooded around us like a live thing. Do you hear the universe moving on? Charlotte whispered. It is your own heart beating, I told her. But I did not believe it. We had found Mojave. End of section 2